Welcome back to Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew. Thanks for joining us today as we explore how our faith and everyday life intersect. First up on today's episode, we tackle the topic of singleness. Often without realizing it, the church can become very marriage and family centered to the point where the singles in our midst can feel like they're somehow less than what they should be. Aiden, CJ, and I talk about how we can be mindful of singles in our midst. And no, that doesn't mean just setting them up. In the second segment, Pastor Rob and I look at some misused Bible verses. Those verses that get taken out of context or quoted as though they mean one thing when they actually might mean something a little bit different than what we think. All this and more ahead on Everyday Disciples. Well, once again, I'm sitting here with Aiden and CJ. Let's talk a little bit about faith and life coming together here. Uh, in in another topic that the three of us I think are you know maybe uniquely situated to talk about, uh, and that's we you know we had a brainstorming session a little while back where we we had a whole bunch of topics and this was one that I think all of us kind of resonated with uh, was this topic of singleness in the church. Um, all three of us here not married. And we've all maybe had different, I don't know what the experiences you guys have had as a single person in the church. Now, I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, and at, at my age, being a single guy, people start start to go like, oh, something's wrong with him. He's broken. Um, and uh, Which isn't true. Matthew Starner's a catch and a half. I should, <laughs> let's point that out right now. A this diamond man, in the rough. Oh, mercy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hope diamond in the rough, yeah. even. Keep that in, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I don't know what experiences you guys have had. Like I know growing up in the church um, and being around all sorts of – because because churches predominantly married people just always seems like wherever you go. Um, before long, it's, it's, especially even coming here uh, to St. Matthew where I'm at now um, – it didn't take too long for people to, to realize like, Oh, you're a single guy. Well, I've got, I've got a niece. I've got a, a granddaughter. I've got the, like the list just started appearing. Um, I had people who wanted to give my number to people. Like I met them one time and they already wanted to give, give me, uh, give, give numbers to me or my number away to somebody. And it's like, okay, um, we're, we're ready to, to hook you up. Cause we can't have any single people around here. Um, something must be wrong if you're single. Um, now I've, no one has ever said that to me I've, and I've never gotten that verbatim from somebody. If you guys ever experienced something similar, you have, you guys have similar stories or how, how has it been being a single person in the church for you guys? Well, uh, a few years ago, kind of when I started getting on Pastor Rob's radar, he tried to introduce me to every single girl around my age in the church, just every Sunday after church. Hey CJ, come here, come here, come here. We're going to go meet this person. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that, that Pastor Rob did that too. <laughs> yeah. So that went on for oh, a year or two. So when I got hired here, I remember, Matt, I think it was you gave me the warning of, of like, <laughs> That's hey, right, I think I did. People are going to start doing, so I was just Were like, you here when I, when I had my announcement at staff? Oh, which one? Have I done more than one? Um, so for a little while at staff, we we filled out um, sort of a, like an updates thing as part of the agenda. And um, <laughs> on mine, I think it was after a time when Pastor Rob had he was he was all like ready to go to to have me married with off to somebody. And um, so I on my staff update sheet, I I just put one little. I wasn't even going to talk about it. Just one little bullet point that just said I am. 
I think I said like, I'm perfectly content with my relationship status. No intervention is necessary. And that turned into a whole thing at staff uh, one time. That might've been before you I was before me, but I wish I was there. Oh, that would've been so fun. Because everybody saw it on the sheet and they were like, okay, we got to talk about this. What is, what is Matthew's bride price? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I broke Adam. Um, um, so when I first started working here, I think Matt, you gave me that warning and I think I kind of just played my cards close to my chest. Like I was new to town. I, I had just gra- like just graduated college a month before had just gotten out of a long-term relationship like a year and a half before. So I was just like, I'm not really in the, in the space to like date super series right now, especially like, I don't want to get set up with people in the church. I have feelings about setting people up and like, that's a whole other podcast segment. Um, but yeah, I was kind of prepared and I think you gave me a good warning. So I have, I've gotten a few, not as many as you, but I think I've kind of kept uh, not people at arm's length, but I think I've kept that conversation pretty distant and I'm going to keep it that way, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a challenge. Cause you know, people mean well, oh, yeah, um, yeah. and, and it's always, at least in my experience, it's always coming from people who are married. And so you'll clearly, they see the value of it. Um, and we do sort of, I think, in our culture today have this today and always have this sort of image that um, marriage is an ideal to, to strive for. Um, That's, that's part of the American dream, right? It's the house, it's the marriage, it's the, the 2.5 kids and the dog and the cat, the minivan that goes along with it or whatever. Um, Like that's just part of that picture of what we think of life being. Um, And yet there are a lot of people in life who, for one reason or another, just don't ever get married. Um, and, and the church can be a place where that's okay, where that doesn't have to be a weird thing. Um, so maybe that's the first thing, the first first suggestion that I would have for folks is get to know someone before you, before you try to set them up, uh, before you start handing out phone numbers and, and lining up blind dates and those sorts of things, uh, to know whether whether or not that's something that somebody's actually looking for or would welcome. Um Part of me kind of thinks it was actually a recent conversation with a friend of mine, um, but like a lot of churches don't know what to do with the single people because it's like you can't be part of like the marriage small group. You can't be in the all because the all single small group is always just like okay, we're banking on all of them dating eventually <laughs> right. with each other. But then we also like they they have to go to the young adults ministry. But if they're not young adults anymore, and they don't like, and it's it's this weird thing of like they don't know how to minister to these people. But it's very clear. It's just like. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to treat them as image bearers, just like everybody else. But it's it's come to this point where it's like you're second string if you're not married. And like, why is that the case? Because uh, Paul was single. Maybe have been you, you could make the argument was he a widower? Uh, that's a whole other. Yep, I've heard that argument. Yeah. Made. Um, but Paul was single. Jesus of Nazareth, right, was a single guy. Yeah, right. the ideal but, human. <laughs> yeah, who in every way lived a full life. Um, and, and was fully human in ways that we even, because of the, the sin that impedes us, we are not fully human. Um, yeah, Jesus was single. Um, and so, I, I mean, we can, we can, we can talk about how marriage and family are one ideal, um, how singleness can be another ideal and that they don't have to be competing, you know, I don't think they're they're competing values at all, um, as if one is better than another. Um, I know married people who 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 say, "Man, you know, 
there's some appeal to being single. <laughs> um, and then, and single people who, man, just want so bad to be married. And so some of that is just, you know, figuring out as a single person, um, which, which camp do you fall in? Is this, is this something that you are embracing that you maybe feel, feel called to, or, um, feel that, that this is what God has for you right now. And you're okay with that. Are you someone who, you know, is just, man, I can't wait for that day that I'm married. Um, you know, figuring that out and, and, uh, you know, maybe talking through that with, uh, Christian people around you and um, friends and, and people that you look up to, to kind of sort that out. I love this quote. Um, we read a book in youth group last year called Loveology by John Mark Comer. And there's this great quote on his, in the whole chapter about singleness where it says this, life doesn't start when you get married. It starts the second you fold your story into the larger kingdom and follow Jesus forward. Um, and I just think, yeah, the, the most important decision you make in your life is not, am I going to get married? Or it's not even when you say I do. The most important day of your life is the day you decide I'm going to follow Jesus of Nazareth as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to live my life for him. Um, my one, like, and this is unrelated to that, but my one piece of advice as just uh, as a follower of Jesus is like married people, like be friends with single people in the church. Single people, be friends with married people in the church. The married people can't just hang out with the other married people and single people can't just hang out with other single people. Like there is so much beauty and joy in just the body of Christ being made up of such a just very different and diverse group of people who all just bear the image of God in very different ways. And so don't limit your friends to who is the same relationship status as you. Like, gosh, make friends with with, <laughs> with your congregation and, in so many ways. And that's exactly the point that I wanted to bring up was that, you know, the church – one of the metaphors, and there's a lot of different metaphors that that get used for the church in Scripture, but one of one of the best ones for this is that of family. The church is a family, and this is the place. The church should be the place for all the the single people among us to feel like this is their family, or can be for the the place for you know the the couple who maybe wants kids but can't have kids for one reason or another. Um, or the like the the retired couple whose grandkids don't live around here. Like for this to be the place that feels like family for them. The, the kids of the church here are, in an extension, their kids or their grandkids or their their nieces and nephews that they kind of get to to walk along with and feel like we're all family here. And I know you know different churches do that better than others. There's dynamics of size and all that sort of stuff that come into play um, and how many people you can know and have good relationships with, but to always be on the lookout for who can I, who can I be a friend to here at church single or not? Um, what, what, what do they need? How can I come alongside them as a brother or sister in Christ and support them and walk alongside with them? Uh, I had a youth pastor when I was younger explain to me, um, kind of like running that that race of life for Christ um, and how you kind of consistently want to be at a full-on sprint towards Jesus, if that makes sense. Um, and then he told me, you'll know who your spouse is when you look to your right or you look to your left as you're running that full sprint and that female is, is there with you running that sprint, if that makes sense. Um, and so I don't think it's a do-or-die thing to get married or not. Um, I mean— a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, knowing God's will, and uh, we talked about a blueprint. 
and essentially it's 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 your choice to make um it's part of your blueprint um it's part of the gift from god and free will so that's that's my look at look on it yeah no and i think i think that's that's really good to remember that um connecting that back with what yeah what we talked about a couple of weeks that does god want me to be married or does God care more about who I am as a spouse or who I am as a single person, wherever I am? That's what God cares about. So I guess uh, I guess our, our message to the, the married folks out there is don't feel like you have to set up all the single people you know. And single people, just continue to run that race for, for Christ. Um, remember what our calling is and who we are, what our identity is, and, and where we find that peace. Well, good. This has been a good... Th- good conversation and again i hope it i hope it helps you look at the people that you do worship with and do life with around church um or or wherever you find yourself um to kind of open your eyes a little bit to to those around you all right welcome back for another segment here on everyday disciples i'm sitting here talking with pastor rob um today we're looking at uh, the topic of misused Bible verses. I thought that'd be an interesting one to get your take on some of these, Pastor Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, verses that um, people love to kind of throw around as like a life verse, or you know, we're we're coming up on confirmation season here at church as as kids are picking their confirmation verses. Um, you know, verses that that mean a lot to people, um, and it, I I've always sort of. Uh, on one hand, loved like like breaking people's hearts when it comes to like that verse doesn't mean what it really means. Uh, now that's not just to leave it there, but like it, it actually means something better than than what you there think you it go. means. Um, so I'm I'm not like a, a psychopath or anything, but so I, I thought maybe we would share a few of those that uh, verses that people like to um, like get thrown around. Usually a verse like a single verse pulled out of context sort of that, that we think means something, uh, but really I think means something better than that. And, and when, as soon as I, I mentioned the topic to you, you had one right off the top of your head. So how about we start with yours? Okay. Well, the one that came to my immediate mind, but when you said confirmation verse, there isn't, we'll, we'll, we'll chime in on that sure, too. Sure. But the one that came into my mind was first Corinthians, uh, 10 verse 13, uh, and it talks about God bringing relief to us, or God giving us a, a way out. Okay, and that's the that's the part people latch onto. But it talks about, and if you, if we, I'll read it out loud here. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful; He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability." But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. And this, I, I'm not sure the mental jump that happens in people, but they apply it to a problem in life that they're facing and that you can bear up under this problem. So the way that I usually hear this one get get taken is to mean that, Usually, it gets it gets rephrased as God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes, right. And this is the verse they point to to back that up: that God won't ever give you more than you can handle. So whatever you're going through, like God must think you can handle it. Mm-hmm. So just which is you know, a crushing for a person who's right, you when, know, overburdened. Right when when you're and 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 I I love to to bring up this verse for folks because like when you go to uh, is it the beginning of First Corinthians where 
where or is it the beginning of Second Corinthians where where Paul is saying like, look, we've been through all this bad stuff. Like we thought we were going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was so much uh, that we were oppressed by. We really fully expected to die, which sure doesn't sound like. God thought I could handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, we relied on God through this. He's the one who got us through it. And uh, so uh, clearly Paul is not echoing those words that God won't give you more than you can handle because g- Paul got more than he could handle. Right. On his own. And the, the whole context is he's talking about the children of Israel and their uh, walk through uh, the desert, which was an abject failure for them because yeah. they <laughs> succumbed to temptation at every turn. Uh, but he is—he's telling them, "You can, you can um, withstand temptation because you're standing in Christ. That's where the relief will come." Right. Yeah. This is clearly talking about temptation, not not just struggles that we're going through, but temptation. Um, and I love, you know, that that with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. So not a way to not a way to push through or power through the temptation, but a way to get away from it. Yeah. And maybe it's just you know, the misuse is just the last what, six words there. You may not be able to endure so that you may be able to endure it. And maybe that's what people are just I can I can endure this. Right. Or God won't give me more than I can handle. Right. Which takes me to the um the the next well, the, the verse. I, can I just add one more yeah. thing? Um and the Bible's full of people who's who are crying out to God, I can't handle oh, this. For the laments sure. and the you yep. know, the Psalm forties <laughs> are all uh just God, it's I need help. So very good, but uh, yeah, we can go to the next. I would say, one which, which brings me to the the first one that, that came to mind for for me, and and, and I was talking, uh, I, I led a few weeks ago, the the sixth grader confirmation class here, and we talked about this very verse, uh, Philippians four thirteen, um, and I told him, and so maybe you can you can prove me right here that that at least one of the eighth graders has this as their confirmation Eight, verse. Yep, oh, good. I was like, I, I can guarantee one of those kids in there has chosen this as their verse because it's such a popular one that just simply says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I think a, a lot of times um, we, now I'm not accusing any of the confirmation kids of doing this, but I, I, in, in popular culture, we pull a verse like this out, especially when you're like in high school and you think I can do all things through him who strengthens So I can ace that test because Jesus is going to let me do it. I can make more free throws than anybody else on the team. I can you know, run faster or get a better time and, than, than anybody else because Jesus is the one who strengthens me. And so when I talked to the sixth graders about that, we kind of, we looked at this and said, okay, so is that what this is really saying? Yeah. And, and I love, you know, when you look at the context of it, um, you know, Paul has come through talking about, um, in just the verses immediately preceding it, mm-hmm. um, the, the concern that the Philippians had for him, um, he says, you know, not that, not that I'm speaking of being in need right now, but I've learned that whatever situation I'm in to be content, I know what it is to be brought low. I know what it is to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty, facing hunger, facing abundance and need. So like Paul's not talking about going out and doing tremendous things because of Jesus. He's saying, I can, I can, 
face whatever comes my way because of Jesus. So I can endure suffering because of Jesus. Now, I don't think many people, probably not many uh, confirmation students are saying, <laughs> no. I can handle the suffering that's going to come my way because of Jesus, um, which I think, and I posed this to the sixth graders and they agreed, uh, I think this is a better understanding of this verse. Like, to, to say that, you know, it's not about me doing great things, but it's about me being able to go through whatever faces me because of Jesus. And I I've can got do him the things life. that God would want me to do, no matter what the external circumstances are, mm-hmm. because God will strengthen me. But you're right, we'll have this verse in one of our confirmation Oh, I'm sure. And have had. I, 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 bet there, I bet I know another one. Jeremiah 29, 11. Is that going to be one of them? Um, one? I'm not sure Anybody this using that year, one but oh, okay. it's de- definitely been used. So that's that's another one of those verses that I think it's uh, can get misused by some folks. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, which, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, plan to give you plans to give you a hope and a future. What one that everybody loves to hold on to. And then, and like those are some great words from God. Plans to to prosper you, plans plans to give you a hope, a future. But what what I always try to remember, remind people is who's he talking to? Who, mm-hmm. who what what's the context of those words? Put it put it into into its place. And so, uh, Pastor Rob, you remember the the context oh, of what's well, going it's on there? Definitely written to the people of uh, the exiles coming back, isn't it? Uh, to, to them. Uh, when they're getting there, isn't it? Oh, when they're getting there, uh, or who who are in exile now? I think. Um, yeah, because if you back up to like around verse four and five, um, so to oh yeah, it's Jeremiah. The heading is Jeremiah's letter letter to the exiles, and like in verse five, so he's t- so this is the word of the Lord to the exiles. You know, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have. Uh, sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. So like you are being carried off into exile, get comfortable because you're going to be there a while. Uh, You're not coming home anytime soon. And serve there instead of pining about, you know, if I only could get back to Jerusalem, then I could really serve God. Right. And he's saying, nope, do that now. Do that where you are because you're, you're off in exile and it's not going to end anytime soon. Um, skipping down a little bit to verse 10. Um, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are complete for Babylon, I'll visit you and I will fulfill my promise to bring you back to this place. So you are being carried away now and for 70 years. Settle in. Um, and then it goes on to the, for I know the plans I have for you. And so it's, in context, it's a reminder to the people of Israel being carried off into exile, God's got a bigger plan in mind here. But it's going to take 70 years. It's going to take 70 years. (laughs) And, you know, some of you may not make it back. So have kids and get them married off because them or their kids are going to be coming back. Um, And when when you look at it in that context, wow, I mean, that's, that's a little bit different than like i i'm going to have a a perfect future because god loves me right and i should i should have this perfect future in my reality right now otherwise i'm somewhere outside of god's will and god is saying no 
It's going to be 70 years. Some of you will never make it back. I like verse 7 out of that chapter 2. And I think it has a lot of ramifications because, you know, we live in a world that I think in our brokenness we'd say, I wish I could get out of here. Right. Wish I could leave. God says to those who were in exile, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And God did it. Yep. Right? And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Mm, yeah. And when we serve our community, we're, <laughs> we are um, benefiting, not get away from our culture. Yeah. I did think of another one, if you're, yeah. unless you had another Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what other verses um, have you This one across? is more of a pastor one, but maybe um, people who have read leadership books, there's the, it's from Proverbs, and I'm not going to find the verse, and it, you'd have to go through the King James Version, because the King James says, without a vision, the people will oh, perish. Yep. Have you heard that yep. used? And it's designed to tell pastors, uh, you need a vision for your congregation and come up with your BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Those were, you know, and those are all great. I'm not knocking that at all. Uh, However, that's not what that verse means. The vision there is... uh, I was going to say, say it's Proverbs 29, 18 is the the verse there. Yeah. And what what is it in... uh, do you have uh, what translation do you have? I got the ESV pulled up here. Okay, what does that say? Um, oh wow, the ESV renders this a little differently. Where, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. There, yeah. And the point with that I was going to make is yes, this is the, not the vision of man, but without the vision of God, without the prophetic vision, right. uh, people will perish or languish, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. But throw off restraint, they're all going to go their own way. Right. <laughs> Which is not a good thing. You don't want people doing their own thing. Well, how about we look at, at one more here? Um, another one that our culture likes to throw around a whole lot, and that's Matthew chapter 7. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> 7? 7 verse 1, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 7 verse 1. Everybody loves to throw this verse around. It's probably the most quoted verse in like all of our culture, and it's simply, judge not that you not be judged. Mm-hmm. Man, people love to, to quote that today. Um, usually used as like, who are you to tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing? Or, or And nobody whether... can say, this is right, this is wrong, because, right. hey, that's being judgmental. Yep. Which, if there's anything our culture hates, it's being judgmental. Um, even though I, I guess that's a judgment statement in and of itself to to do that. But um, when we look at the context of this one, I, 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 this is where I just, you know, Jesus is such a masterful teacher. So Jesus, these are Jesus' words all, all in red here in my Bible. Judge not that you not be judged. And then he goes on, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure that you use, it'll be measured. Um, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? So, you know, there's all this hypocritical stuff going on. Um, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. This is where Jesus like does this nice pivot. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So first deal with your own. Then you can judge. So like, don't judge, Jesus says. But then he goes on and says, here's how to judge. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just love that because he, he 
he kind of puts he he halts halts you in your tracks for a moment, um, but then tells us like we are supposed to judge. We are supposed to help our brother take that speck out of their eye. You can't do that without judging. But he's going against that hypocritical, self righteous judgment. That's the point. Where I, I just ignore what's going on in my life and I just look at you. Mm-hmm. And he clearly is. I mean, verses fifteen, same section. He's talking about yeah. discerning uh, teaching and discerning you know, right from wrong or truths from error. Right. How are you going to tell a false teacher from a, a true teacher? You're going to have to judge them. You have to judge their teaching. So, yeah, it's, it is one of those. We like to look at that little bit in a vacuum. And so maybe that's, that's the kind of the thing to pull away from you know, all of these that we've looked at here so far. Um, is to not look at them, or be wary at least, of looking at a verse in a vacuum without the context around it. Uh, that's how we, we get the meaning from what's being said here, because you can pull a phrase, you can pull a couple words out and make it say kind of whatever you want it to say. Yes. I had a teacher that said, tell me what you want and I'll find you. Tell me what you want to say and I'll find a Bible verse to prove sure. your point. Sure, Whatever it is. Yep. <laughs> the... Um, the, the example that, that one of the uh, professors I had used was, um, I can't remember the, the verse references off the top of my head, but uh, two different verses that you can stitch together where you know Judas went and hanged himself. Jesus oh. said, go and do likewise. You know? <laughs> so you can, you can take two different phrases from the Bible and make it say whatever you want to say if you're just looking at them uh, in a vacuum there. But, so uh, I guess our takeaway from today is we're looking at these, these verses that um, oftentimes have a what we think is a surface level meaning to them, uh, that meaning might not be what we think it is. But the deeper meaning from the context, from what scripture is really saying is, is often so much better than what we think. Thanks for listening to Everyday Disciples. Everyday Disciples is part of the online ministry of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids. We're striving to be followers of Jesus wherever we are, and we hope you'll join us on that journey. If you found this podcast helpful in your spiritual journey, we'd be honored if you would rate us and review us wherever you listen. It helps people find us and get the good news about Jesus out there to the world. If you've got questions or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear about on Everyday Disciples, let us know with an email to media at stmatthewgr.com.